0: Hey guys, Dane here with The Dark Room Podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. In today's episode, I chat with Emily Nathan. Emily is a photographer and the founder of Tiny Atlas Quarterly. She founded Tiny Atlas Quarterly in 2012, and to this day, it remains one of the most uniquely beautiful travel magazines. Emily has done so much with the camera, and it was so cool to be able to pick her brain about creating the magazine and creating a business around her photography. And you can pre order her brand new book, My Tiny Atlas Our World Through Your Eyes. And without further ado, here is a conversation with Emily Nathan. Welcome to the Dark Room Podcast, where you'll get to hear from the best full time creators on the planet. From starting out to where they are now and everywhere in between. Welcome to The Dark Room. Emily Nathan, thank you so much for chatting with me.
1: Sure, thank you for having me.
0: So uh, right before we set this up, I know that you said you were shooting in Hawaii, so you can't see me right now, but I promise you I'm wearing... My favorite Hawaiian shirt, All just right. for this occasion, hundred well, percent. Friday, right? <laughs> I know, casual Friday. I just saw Theo. He's like, dude, Hawaiian shirt. I was like, yeah, casual Friday and Tiny Atlas. What are you talking about?
1: <laughs> Whenever I have a chance to work in Hawaii, I'm like, yes, I'm available. We're available. Tiny Atlas, yeah, how- I'm available. Any jobs <laughs> in Hawaii? We're always available.
0: All the time, every time. What what was that like? What was the shoot like?
1: It was good. Uh, we're working with like a a company that's sort of a hotel management company, and working on a series of shoots for them on. I think hopefully all of their properties, um, creating content for social and marketing as well as sharing the properties on tiny Atlas with giveaways. So we have like, we're going to have a bunch of really cool giveaways. So you too could go where, where I was in Hawaii. We're going to have a giveaway next week um, for the, ho- the hotel we were at in um, Maui. And then I think early next year for the one that we were on in and Kauai. Nice. So, Do you
0: remember the name of the hotel for the giveaway?
1: Sure. Uh, well, it's, uh, Lumeria is the one that's on Maui. It's like upcountry paia. Um, do you know Maui well?
0: No, I, I wish I did.
1: <laughs> so Maui, there's like a super, there's a lot to Maui, even though it's a little tiny island, but there's like a super touristy side and then there's like a more local touristy side. And then there's sort of upcountry where there's, um, more of like Maui people are there Yeah. And, there's Paia is um, this little beach town, but up country from Paia just a little bit. There's a um, this little hotel that was, I think it was like originally a camp or, you know, a full on just retreat. But then now it's a little sort of wellness hotel that does a lot of yoga programming and stuff like that. But it's beautiful. It's like in a courtyard. It overlooks the ocean, but it's above, it's above the beach. Um, and it's, it's in this courtyard and with beautiful gardens and big lawn in the middle. And, um, yeah, it's just, it feels like just staying in a garden.
0: Yeah. <laughs> in so, Maui. so green. That's awesome. Yeah. So what is, what do those shoots look like? Is it just you or are you with the team?
1: Um, I brought these shoots, like we have a lot of different things that we do. So, um. Just to give you, like, people are always like, "What, what is Tiny Atlas?" Because yeah, not, that was going to be it's my next not question. Not that clear, but um, I'll <laughs> yeah, back, please I'll just go back into that a little bit. Yeah. Where so I was a, I was a full time photographer for a really long time, and then I sort of started Tiny Atlas by accident. I can go back to that, um, but it was an online magazine we did a print annual and then i was like oh wow that's really expensive Um, and so then we just stayed online um we did two kickstarters both successful one for the annual one for a camera bag both things were great but just sort of more expensive in the production side than than we were really prepared for. for yeah and then um But a couple years ago, we started, we did some trips where we took like a group of photographers to an incredible destination and then got some sponsorship for the trips from sort of international brands. And that was like almost three years ago, the first one, I feel like. Um, So we went to Tofino in Tahiti and and sort of like that, that was like even a longer story because I, there was a. A woman, Laura Rubin, who's a friend now, and she I met her through a project that we did that was a community photo show. Um and she had her own brand. She worked on like a PR firm that I worked with for that trip, but she had her own brand that's this notebook brand. Um and that half of the notebook is lined and half of it is blank, and then they're sort of usually two different covers. And you sort of flip the notebook. They're pretty cool. It's called Allswell. And so she wanted to do a notebook with me. And then we had, you know, we had this idea of like two different tropical um, or two different types of green landscapes. So there's sort of this tropical and the subtropical. And Laura's very like savvy and smart and on the leading edge of things, living in Venice and very connected to surf um, culture And so we decided to do two trips to sort of incredible places that we might not ordinarily go to, like the people who are independent travelers who would normally travel by themselves, but maybe they wouldn't, they wouldn't end up there because it wasn't the most obvious choice for them. Yeah. yeah. And they might be excited about, you know, just venturing a little further. Um, So we went to Tofino um, in British Columbia, which is incredible. (laughs) And oh, then yeah. we went to Tahiti and then we found, because my background sort of commercial photography, I found partners in the bigger brand space to work with us. And so instead of just me going or another photographer, which is how the magazine had started, um, where it was just sort of our content and curating it. So we brought three other photographers, I think, to Tofino, and then we brought I think in the end it was like six photographers to Tahiti. And we partnered with Fuji Instax and with Adobe and Adobe Stock um, on those trips. And they were really successful just in terms of the imagery that was coming out of them and also just the broad message that was getting across. Um, And so since then, we've done a lot more activation sort of things in the real world with brand partners, but then we are also doing projects like the one that I was doing in Hawaii. So the one that I was doing in Hawaii, it's more about one photographer or Two photographers. I'm actually used to now um, shooting like as a photographer forever. I was just me and my team or my crew, however small or big it was. But after these experiences working with lots of photographers, it's really fun. And so, yeah. like, I was going to bring an assistant to Hawaii. And then I was like, you know what? Like, an assistant's going to deal with my files, which I really miss but when I don't bring it, you know, like a digital <laughs> tech. Um, like, I much prefer because I'm older and like I'm used to commercial photography where I have like a killer digital tech and I just like hand they hand me the camera they change the cards they like do everything and I am like used to that lifestyle and tiny atlases cannot afford that lifestyle (laughs) so um I'm like always just falling asleep on my bed like backing up my files to my laptop
0: yeah (laughs) after
1: shooting dawn till dusk and so I was like okay this is you know this client it's not like a huge budget but there's a little budget like I could bring an assistant a lot of people want to come to Hawaii you know But then I'm so used to working with other photographers from these sort of group trip things. And I was like, you know what, it's nice to have somebody back up my files, but it's like way more fun to be with someone else who's a talented photographer and who could contribute to the like sort of final deliverables and also just contribute their own vision and excitement. And I've been to Hawaii, like I'm very fortunate to have been to Hawaii many times, um, a lot for work and a lot for vacations pretty easy vacation from the bay area where i'm based um, yeah and so when i go to like tahiti or tofino i've never been there before um and so like i'm so excited and i felt like oh like hawaii maui and kaua'i are places i've been many times it might be fun to have another photographer who hasn't been as many times as i have who hasn't been yeah who has a fresh there.
0: fresh set of eyes
1: yeah who's just like stoked and so in the end, um, I brought another photographer. I brought Benjamin Heath, who's a really talented photographer, Yeah, totally. um, who recently moved back to the Bay area and he was just such a joy to have around, like really excited, um, to take pictures, just, he brought his like medium format he brought like a face, <laughs> face nice. camera. And, yeah. um, you know, he just, he brought a lot of, um, excitement and energy and um it was fun to have them along
0: what was the connection with instagram like because i know that's huge for tiny atlas yeah right?
1: so um when we did i started you know i started the magazine i'll back up to that i guess so i was a commercial photographer and um after i had my son seven years ago which is about how old tiny atlas is yeah. Uh, I sort of needed a reason to get out of the house. Um, <laughs> so I decided I would do a test. And you guys know what a test is? Uh, No. So in commercial, for four editorial photographers, your work is often um, really fresh because you're just doing cool assignments. They're not ad shoots. And maybe they're taking... Your editorial assignments are taking you into interesting places and then maybe you like kind of dive deeper into something. But yeah. often a lot of the work that's in your portfolio can come from your assignments. When you're a commercial photographer, like I had shot a ton for Apple for a decade, shooting big uh-huh. like lifestyle um, projects for them, but they shoot in a sort of formulaic way. And it's you're actually not supposed to really share your photos, and yeah. um, you know it's always Apple and the, the styling's always Apple, the cast's always Apple.
0: Yeah, you know? very specific, beautiful but specific. Yeah. yeah,
1: and so as a commercial photographer who shoots advertising, you don't want to show everyone like, hey, even if you have a book full of tears. Apple. Like what's let's say you want a different client than Apple and people are like, well, that's Apple and we're a different thing. So you need to show what your vision is. And so you need to just go make work. And you often have to spend money to do that, you know, or you can get friends to help you and yeah. Whatever. So that's called testing in commercial photography. So you go and you're like, I have this vision, I want to evolve my style in this way, and I'm gonna get a team together, plan a shoot, and it's just for me. It's for my portfolio, but then I'm going to show this to the clients and they're going to be excited about it and it's going to help new work. And it's a reason for you to go back to your context and say, hey, I have this really cool new thing I want to show you. Can I come in for a meeting? Can I, you know, Um, it's a reason to reach out. It's a, you know, there's just a lot of good things about it. So I decided I didn't have, I had a lot of lifestyle work. A lot of family lifestyle work, but often my favorite pictures were one person in them. Still, uh-huh. still the same. But um, <laughs> I decided like it'd be fun to do a shoot where I have like I make an effort to have more people in each picture, <laughs> like not just one person. Um, so I decided I had a friend who was living in um, Montana yeah. near Glacier National Park. I had always wanted to go there, and I decided to do a shoot there. And that so that's the test. And so I put on. Like I'm very familiar with production from big shoots. So I, I produced like this whole, basically like Apple shoot in Montana for as yeah. cheaply as I could, but really so much more money than I should have spent. Um, and like, I brought a whole team to Montana to just do a shoot for my portfolio. I had been shooting nice. a lot commercially. So I had like a nest egg and that I wasn't that thoughtful about and just spent, but um, so I brought this team to Montana. I, you know, I spent too much. Money in the end, we had a lot of beautiful pictures, but I was like, "Is this just a portfolio piece, or could I do something more with it?" And it was like yeah. the heyday. This is like 2011, 2012, the heyday of blogs, and um, everyone's like, "Well, you should do a blog," and I was like, "I don't want to talk about myself." Yeah, I'm talking about myself. <laughs> so I don't I don't want to talk about myself every day. You know, like, I'm interested in the world. I'm interested in traveling. I want to talk yeah. about other places, which
0: is what we want to hear.
1: Yeah.
0: So, yes.
1: um, so I was like, maybe I can do this travel thing. You know, I had done a lot of travel before I did lifestyle. And I love travel. But then it gets kind of formulaic, right? Like, if you look at magazines that do travel, Um, they, they're often kind of formulaic. There's like, there's the coffee cup and there's the bed and there's this and that. Um, yeah. And there's not a lot of people, and you know why there's not a lot of people because it's really expensive
0: <laughs> yeah. to get
1: people in photos if you're gonna be respectful. Yeah, that's and true. Pay your that's
0: interesting. You know,
1: so like yeah. you'll see the cover of a magazine will have a beautiful lifestyle picture, and then you're like, oh, where is this? And then there's no more of it in the whole travel magazine.
0: <laughs> right? Like you're like yeah.
1: you're searching through, and you just see like stock photos, like iStock, Getty, whatever. Um, yeah. So I was like, why not make a magazine that is the stuff that. I love what it feels like to be in a place not Mm -hmm. just like this you know bird's eye view of some epic tower like what about what it feels like from the street and and the lifestyle perspective of of travel and at the time like now on Instagram especially and in blogs like that's all over the place it it wouldn't feel new if I did it now but at the time it really just didn't exist that much
0: yeah Um, definitely
1: so it was a little like forward thinking I guess at the time and um, my husband is a UX developer um, or designer not a developer but he's just really smart and he had always made my sites um, in the past and so he like came up with the original design and UX for the website. And I had a friend, Liz Mullally, who was an art director who I knew from Apple. And she was taking a break from Apple and she liked the idea of working on a project with me. And so she worked on the original um, sort of design elements that were part, part of the stories. And so we put out this online magazine. Um, and right away, a bunch of photographers were like, hey, can I be in your magazine? Because I called <laughs> quarterly and in yeah. um, a, a magazine. And my husband was like, well, why would you have other photographers in your promo piece? And I was like, well, I can't support a whole magazine. You know, other people could be, yeah. part of it. um, so then we brought in more photographers, but it was still just like this online thing, but we did get some early press. Like we got covered in the New York times, which was amazing. And in Vogue, um, and stuff like that. So we had some early traction, but then we did a Kickstarter. Um, cause I was like, I can't, I can't just keep doing this. Right. Like there's no one paying for this and I can't just like spend crazy amounts of money every yeah, couple Yeah. These are physical, physical
0: copies. It gets expensive. For
1: yeah. Sure. Well, no. And even just the online, like producing the shoots, like I was paying to produce all these shoots. And even if other photographers were like, Hey, I have an idea. Then I was paying, you know, for like, that. yeah, like there's design to do there's web programming to do. There's all these elements to deal with and like photo edit. And we really were treating it very professionally. And so yeah. I was like, well, let's do a Kickstarter for an annual rather than putting up like a paywall on the website, which I didn't want to do. So we did this Kickstarter at the end of the Kickstarter. I knew a bunch of people who were very interested in Instagram at the time and it felt yeah. like we were already behind because I, you know, coming from the Bay area, like that's where it all started. And so yeah. a lot of and this people is still were early, already,
0: early Instagram. Yeah. Right? This is like
1: 2012. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, 2012, 2013. And another friend of mine, um, is Michael O'Neill, who was a f- another former art director of mine at Apple, which is how I knew him. And he was big on Instagram from the beginning. And so I was like, Oh, maybe I should do a hashtag. So, at the end of my Kickstarter, I was like, I asked some friends who were on Instagram, would you help me, you know, start a hashtag? And we met at a bar in Bernal and I, I was coming up with different hashtags that could work. And then I was like, okay, what about my tiny Atlas? So it's like, you guys can own it. Um, this is before like every, you know, corporate brand had my AT&T. Or whatever, yeah. You know, like, my
0: were there any ones you remember that didn't make the the cut that were so good?
1: remember no I
0: don't oh, know oh man I bet there were some good ones I don't remember
1: <laughs> um but so then they so they're they, they were like okay cool we'll help you out and it was the way end of the kickstarter but there were like six photographers who shared one post with my tiny atlas like so sick. and I was so new to Instagram like that I didn't realize that I could share their photos because I was like well it's their photos and they have the rights to their photos and then like yeah I was like, Oh, the, the currency of Instagram is sharing, you know, this is yeah. back in the day. And so then I went back to those six photographers and said, is it okay if I share your photo that you tagged with my tiny eyes? <laughs>
0: they were like, <my> yes.
1: <laughs> they were like, yeah. And yeah. so then I shared those and then I started curating the tag and, and I started telling people about it. And because I've been around the world, I'm older, like I, I'm a pretty good curator and I know a lot of interesting people. I know a lot of photographers. I'm interested in lots of other people than myself. Like, I started to get the word out, and the people who were contributing were a bunch of really talented photographers because that's sort of my peer group. And yeah. so I think very early, it was kind of early in the hashtag world. And then it was also the quality was really great. Um, and then the quality of the images coming in and then the quality of the images curating. So it was all just really high quality. And then if people went from there to our website, the quality of what was there was really good. So, so then we got, um, I remember there was a day where, um, Grace Bonnie, who has, um, what is her design sponge? Um, which was such a big blog and now she's doing all sorts of really cool other things. She just started a magazine. Um, but she had this very influential blog and one day on our Instagram, like all of a sudden we got like thousands of new followers. I was like, what's going on? And it was really new. And she had, she had found tiny Atlas from our, whatever it's the hashtag or something. And um, she shared it on her like Friday finds of good hashtags or good Instagrams. Instagram accounts and we went from like 2000 followers to 5,000 followers or something in one day. And I was like, Oh my God, this is amazing.
0: Yeah. The first big pop for sure. Yeah. I don't know if
1: I've had a bigger thing than that ever. Um, but that was, you know, it was so at the beginning. So that's like, um, all of a sudden we were reaching. So with, when I switched from me to this group of photographers, I included, you know, the story of tiny Atlas grew, Um, astronomically because instead of just me talking about it all these photographers were talking about the magazine and then when we opened the magazine up to this My Tiny Atlas it was sort of just anyone who loved travel and anyone who could take a good picture and and share it on My Tiny Atlas and so um, the audience you know just exploded there and the magazine viewership because we haven't had um, we haven't had advertising and a focus so much on growing the audience there like the audience for the website is still small but then the audience for the instagram has grown a lot
0: was i mean it sounds like you guys were really the first curated instagram handle right were you the first ones for the most part because now like there's a ton of great ones yeah Uh,
1: like so i was told somebody said that it's called like an aggregator account
0: um, oh okay. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there were other ones at the time, but I didn't. Um, I don't know what they are, what they what they were, but definitely it was less popular. And,
0: yeah. Um, well, can can we jump back in time a tad? I I want to know what the beginning stages of picking up a camera looked like for you.
1: Hmm. I'm like a typical. I think I'm a typical photographer, got interested in it pretty young. My yeah. dad uh, is a doctor, you know, typical doctor who likes fancy technical things.
0: Fancy doctor um, things, so doctor tools.
1: Like limp, I think he had like an Olympus OM-1 system. And he, my parents like to travel and we had traveled some with them, but, and we had you know, sort of photos in the kitchen from our travels yeah. that my dad had taken at markets or this and that and landscapes. And so he was into photography and he had this OM1 system. And I think in middle school, I think in middle school, he got me like a Canon or something like a Canon A1 or something. And and I took it yeah. to camp and took a roll a of film, film and I camera, like, Yeah, 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 yeah. And, um, and you know, took it to camp and took a bunch of blurry photos and poorly exposed photos. <laughs>
0: You're like I like this. <laughs>
1: and, and then um, I kept it up. I had a really amazing. I grew up in suburban Detroit, and we had an incredible photo department in our high school. And I had a, a photo teacher that I I need to figure out what his name was, but I, I wasn't a big fan <laughs> of him. Like I thought, but yeah. he really he was a really amazing advocate and I don't know why I wasn't, but he was a a great photo teacher and, Mm -hmm. um, and he was a great advocate for us. So he, the people who were really into it, he would enter our work into contests and I won some contests as a kid. And I was really, you know, I was really into just being in the dark room and the tactile element of developing film and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then I went to the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor for college and at the University of Michigan you can't um auto, hold on one second, sorry. No, you're if, good, you're good. Um at the university so that's so what I'll back up. So I went to the University of Michigan <laughs> for college and at the University of Michigan you can't have like a minor in photography. You have to have a separate degree and I was an English major. And so I just took photo classes, um, at the art school and now I'm like, damn it, I should have gotten that second degree. (laughs) It would have been nice. Um, but, um, you know, so I learned four by five there and I learned color printing and, um, that kind of stuff. And then I did a, I always was interested in travel and Spanish language too. I had spent some time by myself in Spain in high school um and then i went to chile for a junior year abroad um and the program that i chose had an internship program where you could they're like, you could even be a photographer for a national daily newspaper. And I was like, sign me up. Let's do it. (laughs) And it was amazing. It was an incredible internship. Um, I would just go and I, the school I wasn't that into, and I would just go to work, you know, like every day I would just like go down there. And it was a bunch of guys that were all just like super passionate about photography. And, um, you know, there were protests and I shot pinochet and i shot the president at the time i shot world cup classifying games like on the field and i was like this is fun you know but this was like photojournalism but the images that i liked were kind of always beautiful and not so newsy i loved mm-hmm. like sebastiano salgado and sally Mann. with my family grew up with like getting the sunday new york times and and just devouring the photo stories there from the time that i was very young
0: so, when you were in school for for as an English major, did you think that you just wanted to do journalism, or did you kind of always want to marry the two? You
1: know, I didn't really think about
0: it. Yeah, I you was just actually, went...
1: I had a degree in English, and I wasn't interested in traditional journalism. My degree, I had a subconcentration in creative writing and poetry. So like oh, nice. for my senior thesis I wrote a book of poems um, and then I proceeded to do nothing with poetry <laughs> for the next
0: <laughs> It's in your back pocket. It's it's there. It's always there when you need it.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> I have a facility like I as a as a poet I'm very focused on on editing and I was always very visual in In my imagery, and so there's a lot there's a lot of English majors who are photographers. a lot, you know, there's a lot of crossover with telling stories. Um, but I definitely yes. wasn't interested in journalism on the written front. I was interested in poetry. but then I just I didn't want to be an English teacher. And so then I started doing photography in school more seriously. so I was like, okay, so I'm gonna be a photographer. And um, when I came back from South America, that's what I thought I wanted to do but i had a degree in english so i graduated yeah. from New Jersey, michigan i moved my family had moved to california and so i went a friend was driving west with a rider 24 foot rider truck and so i drove west with him with nice. my stuff and then i was in san francisco and my parents i was very fortunate that my parents like paid for college but the understanding was when college is over you are on your own like we're here yeah. you know we're here call us whenever but yeah like pay All for i'm your going to san fran pay for your rent <laughs> And so I was like, "Uh uh-oh, what am I going to do? And I wanted to go back to South America, but I didn't have enough money to go back to South America. So I started stringing for AP and, like, trying to get work immediately. And did get some work, you know, immediately, but was realizing pretty quickly that that wasn't going to necessarily cover rent in San Francisco, which was much cheaper at the time. Um, And so I got a job um, a couple weeks out of school at a lab in san francisco working at the front counter Nice. And the lab was called the new lab it doesn't exist anymore it was a um a slide processing lab but so it was the commercial hub of san francisco because when magazines used to be you know it used to be everyone shot film but they would shoot the sh- you know the sharpest fastest film which was yeah e6 slide film and so all the commercial photographers went there. And so a lot of the people who worked at front counter would then just start photo assisting. And this was like, I graduated in 1998, which gives you know, my age. Um, and um, it was like, you know, the dot-com center of the world. So Fast Company yeah. Magazine was like 400 pages at the time. There was just endless amounts of editorial work covering the people who were founding Google, you know, the people who were founding all these companies. And um
0: And you're meeting a lot of these people as they come in. Yeah, well,
1: you're meeting the photographers who are shooting them all. And so I pretty quickly was like, you know, I felt pretty weird with my, like, honors English degree working at the front counter. I was like, what am I (laughs) going to do? So I started assisting some of the people that I met and quit, you know, quit the lab. And assisting you could make like $200 a day. And my rent at the time I think it was like, I got the smallest room, like drew straws with my roommates. And so my room was $600. So if I shot, you know, if I assisted five days in a month, you know, it was sort of covering my basic costs because I didn't have loans to pay for. Um, and I was just eating noodles or whatever, you know, good stuff. (laughs) The
0: typical, yeah.
1: And, um, and so I was, I was assisting and then as a, and I was also shooting. And so then I would get a little chunk of money from shooting or I'd have a great assisting month. And whenever I had money, I would just shoot, I would go out and shoot personal projects, which is what I had sort of learned for like trying to get a job, um, you know, right out of school as a photographer. So I was always shooting and assisting for a couple of years. And then I was like, I felt bad being an assistant after a while. I had one, it was on one shoot with a friend of mine who I assisted for many years. They are Gaudi. And we were somewhere shooting something with like coffee in some coffee warehouse. And I was rolling around her bags and the PR person who's walking us around was like, so what do you do? You know, you just like carry her bags. And I was like, yeah, I guess,
0: I guess so. Kind of. <laughs> uh, I've I've been there. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> you know,
1: and my friend, yeah. was like, no, you know, she just lied and this and that. And, yeah. But I was like, I guess it means if I feel that bad about the answer, then I need to just try and make it on my own. And so then I was like, okay, I'm not going to assist. And if I don't make enough money, then I need another career. And and I was able to make enough money to pay my bills. And then I switched from sort of editorial after a number of years of editorial, I switched to advertising and then advertising, you have to do your personal work. And then I had a kid and then I was like, I need to get out of the house and then started Tiny Atlas. Um,
0: Yeah. Isn't it interesting how, you know, assisting is always such a crucial step to the process i feel like because I, I did so that myself much. too i did it for like two years and honestly i don't know if i'd know how to run a shoot today if i didn't do that and just everything you learn no what kind of what kind of, yeah, what kind of shoots were you assisting on when you i mean when you were doing i did that? a
1: lot of editorial stuff that was kind of small you know what i do now um for tiny owls where it's small crew traveling Um, you know, a photographer, an assistant, and then, you know, those photographers sometimes would have bigger shoots, but I was not, you know, the people who are first assistants in San Francisco for like commercial shoots are amazing. And they went to photo school and they know like everything. And I mean, the first time I assisted somebody who had lights, like I put the umbrellas on backwards. You know,
0: like I had no yeah, idea. just little things like that. But see, that's why you got to assist because you yeah, learn things like yeah. that the hard you way. You
1: learn so much of the business stuff, and it's invaluable what what you learn assisting, just how to be with clients, and um, just how a set works, and so many different things. So yeah. it's super valuable experience. But yeah, I didn't work on a lot. I wasn't like a killer assistant, you know, because I was always a photographer and focused on that first. Right. So I worked for a couple of photographers, mostly I worked with a photographer, Timothy Archibald, who's just like a really thoughtful, quirky, um, photographer obsessed with the history of photography. And he sort of had his one lighting style and he would do the same thing, but he liked assistants who were smart and interested in history and photography and the world around them. So I was, I wasn't that good of an assistant, but I was good enough for him. You know, I can yeah. learn, I'm smart. I can learn. It was enough. And then I worked for Thayer who I actually met because she photographed my sister's wedding. And my sister was like, you should hire my little sister. And Thayer was like, "Uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-huh. That'd be great. And, um, but then I, when she saw me at the new lab, she was like, Oh, I guess you're serious, um, about photography. And, um, so I started assisting for her on weddings and she's a commercial photographer and director and so then did a lot of traveling with her, um, for a couple of years. And then, you know, I was doing the both, both worlds thing for a couple of years and then, and then I switched to just doing my own thing.
0: So you're in San Francisco, I mean, up to this point, right? Like you're still up in the Bay Yeah.
1: Right? I was in San Francisco. My family moved to San Francisco my senior year of high school, but then I went back to University of Michigan. I have two older sisters. One's in Munich. Um, she's actually in town, just got in town for our crazy smoke, um, for the holidays And the other one, um, is here in the Bay and, um, yeah, so I came here after I graduated and then stayed. And then my sister moved after, shortly after she got married, she moved to the East Bay. My parents were in Marin and then they moved to the East Bay. And then after my husband and I got married, we eventually moved to the East Bay. So, um, we're in Oakland, my sister's in Berkeley. My parents are further east a little bit.
0: What does your uh, what does your travel schedule look like now? Is it hard to balance with you know the family, or is yeah. everyone on the same page?
1: Um, I mean, I send a lot of photographers, a lot of other places. So we're trying to get Ben on this project in like Norway um, with like the Sami native people and like the Arctic Circle. And next month, I have a photographer who we work with a bunch who's in. Hong Kong right now on a press trip. Um, so yeah, I send other photographers on a lot of projects and then, um, I, I do some, I'm like home a lot, sort of like a faux stay at home mom. I have a Shed in the back of my house that is an office, and I nice. was there, and then I'm away every once in a while. So, like, I'm taking my kid to school, and then I'm working in the shed on the computer and picking him up and hanging out with him. But then occasionally, I'm just in another country. Um, so, I often will try and make my trips as short as possible. Um, so, I went to Morocco a couple months ago for like three days, literally, and I flew like nonstop.
0: That's I found like wild. a nonstop flight. That's play so crazy. Three from, days.
1: Oh my gosh. Um, Oakland to Barcelona and then a layover in Barcelona and then to Marrakech. Um but it was like a, a business sort of invitation thing that I felt like was useful. Um and it it really was in the end. So yeah. like I went to Marrakech for 3 days and then I'm home and then did this project in Hawaii but like um Hawaii had miles on Hawaiian and so I went to Maui first with Ben and then my husband and son um I got them mileage tickets and they joined me for the Kauai leg um so we do stuff like that too recently like in the summer I was invited to speak at a university um that's like a art school in New Zealand and it was the end of summer and so my husband and son joined like we all went to New Zealand and then we went to the South Island before the talk, I kind of came up with a bunch of work so I could pay for our South Island stuff. Yeah. Um, Still doing a lot of hustling. And so did a bunch of work in the South Island so that we could really see some incredible stuff. And we went to Milford Sound and we did an overnight boat trip on Milford Sound. And so my whole family was with me on that. Um, You know, so I'm not gone where they're not with me that often, you know? Um,
0: Yeah, so is is... Emily Nathan the photographer is that kind of a side hustle and a side project from Tiny Atlas or do you no, marry the two No that's
1: like it's all goes through Tiny Atlas basically it's so yeah. what Tiny Atlas so now back to sort of the, the current version of Tiny Atlas as we've evolved Yes please yeah so Tiny Atlas um is a community right and yeah. community is sort of our pro- our product um and then in terms of the media And our clients, we offer like three things. We are the three things that we do. We produce photography um, of, you know, for lots of different types of clients, lots of different types of outlets. Um, So we produce photography. We do production. So like there's a lot of companies that need stuff done and they need the photography, but like they don't necessarily have the bandwidth to like come up with the ideas, do all the production. So we'll be like, hey, we have this cool idea. And they're like, Oh, cool. We have an adventure campaign. And so we're going to do that with you guys in Mexico. And we just do everything. We just like hand them this whole thing that's like done and they can own it and get the content from it. But so we're doing a lot of the production side and then we offer a megaphone and that's what a lot of people want. And sort of every project that we do is sort of different levels of those three things, sort of like an equalizer. So sometimes it's more megaphone, less photography, sometimes more photography, less
0: megaphone. When uh, you say megaphone, do you mean like influencer?
1: Yeah, like, but it's but, more yeah, okay. megaphone, you know, like it's more getting the word out to a targeted audience. Right. Um, and our audience is pretty great audience. Um, we were never like a suggested user or anything like that. So every follower that we have is pretty hard. Fought, you know, yeah, um, yeah, it's just from the work that we've done, and our content's pretty varied. You know, Instagram rewards um, consistency, and we have themes that we sort of run through, and we have types of imagery that we run through, but it's not all the same. And Instagram rewards consistency, and so it, that has limited our growth as well, I think. But the nice thing is that everyone who's following us really wants to be following us. And a lot of people are photographers. A lot of people are interested in travel. And so as it becomes harder and harder for people to make a splash in the world or to get their message out, we have, you know, it's not a huge audience, but a relatively big audience that's very targeted, um, which is nice for a certain set of clients in, especially in the travel lifestyle space.
0: What do you think about, because that, that also reminds me too of, you know, like it, it's hard to even get your voice out today, like on the platform or just in general, yeah. right? Like, have you guys had any struggles with that in the last few years or did you kind of break through that barrier of, you know, kind of breaking to that top point where your voice can be heard and you can utilize that for good things and for travel and for for more photographers to come on board? Like yeah. how have those relationships built?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's all relationships. There's so many relationships, um, involved. And I think I have been really focused because I'm a photographer. I've always been focused on crediting every single person in, you know, like I'm not, an, there's so many accounts that just take photos and, and we have permission to use like every photo that we use. And, um, and I, we're always share like, in, you know, on the picture and in the caption, who the photographer is. If it's a new feed that we haven't noticed before, we kind of introduce it to people. We have a new tag that's called like my tiny Atlas hello, where people can sort of use that tag and then we're asking people to describe both the photo and themselves so it's like an amazing just self promo that we're doing for people I need to get back on track with it I just got busy with work and it takes time you know like I've always been spending a lot of time and energy and my own own money basically to promote the work of other photographers and I think people appreciate that you know um and I just felt like it was the right thing to do And so I've tried to build a community based on that and then giving photographers, what people want from me is they want the call, you know, like where it's like, Hey, can you go to Patagonia and teach this workshop for me with Hasselblad? (laughs) And like, that's a good call to get. And I know what that feels like being a photographer and an assistant. You know, I was like building a Ikea shelf in my room in San Francisco and Thayer called me and was like, you're going to Greece. Like I need you to go do this thing for me
0: Grace. And I was All like, right, I'm there. gotta go. You know?
1: <laughs> like it's the best yeah. feeling to get that kind of call and that's what so many people want from tiny atlas so we're trying you know we're always trying to come up with opportunities for people to both you know sometimes if it's like just a press trip and we're actually spending money on the back and forth like dealing with the people who are sending someone and then potentially spending money like curating the content putting it on instagram putting it on our website and no one's really paying for that um yeah. But it's just like an opportunity for other people and I can't go on every press trip. And so we do those. We don't do every one that we're offered, but we do ones that we think work well.
0: Yeah. And you guys get to put a spotlight on like these really, really incredible photographers that honestly, like really might have a hard time being noticed otherwise. Yeah. such a crazy space.
1: That's really nice. And it's, but, and it's also kind of this weird level playing field where, where I've kind of always appreciated that as well, that someone who just was a suggested user, a lot of people like their photos, that's cool. But then what about just professional photographers who weren't, you know, who are not getting recognized and people like what they like and so sometimes you know a person who's never a great a great photographer who's never been you know their work hasn't been seen their picture might do really really well and um that's fun to just show you know show the world and remind people like that it's about the pictures and it's about the storytelling and not so much about the numbers um I know it's hard yeah. for people and like we just actually, I was really hesitant to switch Tiny Atlas Instagram account to a business account forever because I have a business account for Tiny Atlas on Facebook. And I know that if we want to show people our content, we have to pay, you know, we have to pay yeah, yeah. Um, to promote posts in order for people to see it. And so I was really hesitant and I just did that actually like yesterday, the day before, oh, wow. a couple of days ago. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> nice. And I was really nervous, but I was like, you know, this book is coming out and we need to be able to have links and links to things like this podcast when it comes yeah. out. Like, and you know, I need the link. Totally. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to bite the bullet and my engagement, you know, might just be destroyed. And it felt like it was right away. Like we had a post that normally would just, do way better and it should have done better and it did terribly. And I was like, okay, engagement's done. Like now I have to pay for posts, but I haven't ever seen like how much it costs to pay for an Instagram promotion. And it's quite inexpensive on Facebook to reach like more people. And on Instagram, I just looked at it yesterday or the other day and I was like, Oh my God, like they charge you. Do they bump it up?
0: It's not through Facebook price or prices like Facebook? Yeah, No,
1: it's priced more. I think like, or maybe I don't care, you know, like on Facebook, we don't have a big audience. And so anybody that I reach, but I do think it's higher just in general. Um, yeah. And, and then you got to play that game of like, you know,
0: if it's being a sponsored ad, you're like, ah, like how, you know, like you got to make it not seem sponsored. right? Right.
1: Well, and the other thing is it's other people's content, you know, like I'm really aware about paying for, you know, I try and you know, if we're like sponsoring stuff on Facebook, it's usually around a project that we've done. It's like my own photography, or it's a project that we've done that we've paid photographers for um, that I'm just trying to grow the reach of or something like that. But like on Instagram, it's sort of like, there's so many people who contribute to our Instagram. And like, if I just start promoting their posts, like I'm stealing their photos for advertising. Like I'm not I'm not excited about that. (laughs) And like, and then I would have to like figure out what I'm going to pay for. Um, So anyway, I just looked at it and I was like, wow, this is expensive. Um, So maybe the only posts that I can promote are things, you know, where I, I discuss that usage with the photographers in advance since photographers are getting paid or it's my own imagery, you know, so I'm just starting to think about that. But then I actually posted a picture, you know, I haven't promoted anything yet. And I posted a picture just last night or yesterday that was something that I just found on my tiny atlas. And it was just a regular post. And it did really, really well And um, just because it was a picture that people liked. And um, so that gave me – it was like a little heartening because I was like, okay, fine. Like I think the algorithm has changed so that the difference now is that an image has to succeed instantaneously. Like if people yeah, do not sure. freak out about a picture within the first five to 10 minutes, Instagram just will not show it to people. You know, they're going to just nobody it's, it just gets pushed so far down the line. And part of it, I'm sure is the algorithm and the algorithm change, but also it's, there's a lot more people on Instagram and then there's a lot more ads, you know, so it's just getting pushed yeah. down the line. And, um, but conversely, if there's something that people are responding to quickly, you can have a huge, yeah, huge response. So we had a picture recently that I thought was cool, but kind of arty um, and kind of a stretch for people a little bit. I mean, it had done well for the photographer, so I figured it would do well. But I thought it would do around as well as it had done for the photographer or a little bit less. And it just went off the charts for us. Like, um, And I think it's because it was very targeted to travel and it was something that was a little unexpected and I think at this point for Tiny Atlas people want imagery that they're not seeing elsewhere so I got to work harder you know like got to work harder (laughs) for the more interesting out there stuff and so it was just a little bit more unique something people hadn't seen before and then it did incredibly well and so I was I was like heart I'm heartened by stuff like that and I'm disappointed when something that you know I think should do well just is not getting seen but it's just the new reality and it's a pretty incredible. Yeah, How much,
0: how much prep do you, how much prep do you put into it? Like when it comes to posting, do you, 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 yeah. Okay. See, see, that's, that's my style too. And <laughs> it, 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 it works, but you know, like there's some of these photographers and, and artists they will just, you know, like they'll have faux accounts. I know where they'll make sure that it can look good on the grid before they post. So they can go in and change colors, change highlights to make everything flow. So are you, are you, so you're more, you're focused on just that, that one post of that day. Yeah. Yeah. Or
1: like, you know, I, I try to put a lot of content that we're creating. Like I want to have as much original content on there as possible from the community Um, of like, we have a photographer who is in hong kong right now you know when ben goes hopefully to norway and you know just stuff like that like getting that content on there too but yeah i just sort of um i don't you just i can't and but i unfortunately like i wish that you know hopefully we'll be bigger in the coming years where we just have someone dedicated to doing social we have an official sort of like social media manager, but I'm the person who's still doing Instagram. And then she works on a lot of the stories and we treat our stories in general, um, like a full like magazine feature. And then we have, um, like we curate them and we set them, you know, build them. And then we have like a whole magazine sitting on the top of our Instagram feed and highlights. Um,
0: it is so cool what you could do with stories right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I I chatted with uh, Kobo from unfold. Oh yeah, Do you know unfold? I, I don't know him. but yeah. Joe,
1: I know Joe Greer who came with us on a couple projects, and he he knew him, so I
0: guess. Yeah, they just those dudes got uh, thirty under thirty. Forbes thirty oh, under thirty, awesome. like a few days That's ago cool. but yeah but anyways going back to stories like it's I was talking about this yesterday with somebody too like they're so important right now and you can do so much like that platform is such a cool kind of like you know you, you can you can mess around with it and you can have fun and you can throw things up there and, and, and you know keep them in highlights on, on top and you know like you said make it like a magazine yeah. on top of your feed which is such a cool benefit I think
1: a lot of people you know in the actual like influencer space like kind of they do care but a lot of it is like people just want access to those people like so Celebrities And so their content there is very rough, but because we, yeah. we just, it makes sense for us to have it more polished. And I think a lot of people prefer that kind of, you know, just human element from, from personalities, but we're not a personality, you know, we're a magazine. So we just yeah. try and have that more polished vibe up there.
0: So this, uh, this latest book, My Tiny Atlas, Our World Through Your Eyes, I know that you collaborated with a ton of incredibly talented people. What, what was that, you know, like putting together?
1: (laughs) So it's our first book. Um, it's with 10 speed press, which is based in the East Bay. Um, but it's owned by Penguin Random House. So it will have very wide distribution, which is really exciting. And after doing a magazine, self-publishing a magazine and, you know, getting every store like door to door of like, who's going to sell it. It's really amazing to not have to deal with any of the printing or publishing, um, you know, stuff. Um, So it's been great working with them. We have like a full team there of editors. There's marketing department. There's a designer who worked with us and made the book. Um, I have an incredible literary agent, Kate Woodrow, who has a, a company, a literary agency, called Present Perfect. And um, she reached out to me and just seemed like such a great fit for a book. I had talked to different people, but they weren't necessarily the right fit. And then what was funny with the book is I didn't, um, she, you know, in order to do a book, there's very specific things you need to do. And the biggest thing is you need to make a book proposal. And the amazing thing working with Kate is she knew exactly what you needed what to, do. to do, which like I would That's never huge, yeah. try like now that I know like what, what it's like, to do yeah. it was, like I would never try to do that without someone like Kate, but right. so she knew exactly what to do, but then she's like, okay, so then we need this proposal and then I'm going to, you know, I'm already starting to talk to editors and stuff about it. And I was supposed to get it to her like in January. And this was like January, not last January, but the year before, I guess I'm trying to figure it out. Um, but it took me or i guess last january and then it or a year and a half it took me till august <laughs> Of that year. Yeah. Like I told her I would do it, but I just Man, wasn't, it took that. Well, I just wasn't yeah, like focused on it because I'm like trying to make money for Tiny Atlas. And I just figured like a book, yeah. like it's are going to a thousand be a bunch things. Of work. And, and I love right. books, but like, who knows if I'm going to get a book deal, you know? <laughs> so we finally, yeah. I asked my friend, Jonna Stark, um, who's just sort of a creative jack of all trades. I was like, Jonna, I'm just not getting this done. Like help me get this done. So she really helped focus me on, in that regard and, and had some really nice high level thinking that she contributed to the whole book proposal process with me and Kate. And, um, and so we finally got it done and Kate handed it in and we had a book deal within the week, which was
0: really amazing. It's I was so like, wild. Oh man, I
1: should have done this sooner. Yeah,
0: are <laughs> um, the, the inner English major inside yeah. of you is jumping for joy. <laughs> That's out. so cool.
1: Yeah. I was like, Oh, I'm actually an author. That's interesting. Um, <laughs> So, yeah. So then it was like, we had, we had done a lot of the legwork of what the book would be in the proposal stage. You know, if you're going to get a book deal, you're not just like, Hey, hire me, you know, to a publisher, you're sending them a a beautiful, long PDF with very detailed information about what your book is going to be. And it might change a little bit when you actually Start working on it, but you have to know a lot about what this book is before you sell it. So we had done a lot of that legwork in that sort of year and before, and then we got down to the process of making it, and that was just a whole other process where I sort of went back to all of our Instagram and started looking at all of the people whose work I had ever shared on My Tiny Atlas, and then we had the software company or like a tech company help us make a crazy spreadsheet of every post that we had ever done with links to those posts so that we could find thousands of posts yeah it was thousands yeah and then went through all of those made our own spreadsheet of like who these people are and whose work we think would make sense for the book because sometimes it's someone who's like they're clearly just shooting on a phone it's like you know it's just not going to translate that well to a book Um, yeah and so then we reached out in the fall last year to around a thousand photographers who were sort wow. of our top contributors saying, Hey, yeah. we're working on a book. Here's a picture that we, we liked of yours, or here's a couple of pictures that we liked. We want to consider this picture, but then if you want to send other pictures that you think are your, your favorite, send those. So I had hired like a number of additional interns to help me just intake, like send out all those emails, just weed intake, through all that, all that yeah. stuff. So then we got all of that in and then I started curating it by there's 10 chapters in the book, like making sort of just folders of like these 10 chapters and, and then honing in, honing in on what those chapters were until I sent them to 10 speed. And then I couldn't, I couldn't hone it in all the way because I was like, I can't finish this edit without actually designing the book. And I'm not the book designer. So I got it like as close as I felt like I could and then gave it to the designer, which was kind of a relief because there's a lot of relationships involved. You know, there's a lot of people who, who are there and I want to please everyone. I want to put everyone whose work I think is great in the book, but there's only so many pages, you know?
0: Exactly. So I can't
1: decide, you know, it was just like too overwhelming for me to just decide all of that. And so we have these honed in chapters, gave it to the designer. She designed the book. And then we went, you know, rounds on things that weren't quite right or weren't good enough or, you know, and then, and then once we had all that, we got like permissions from everyone, contracts from everyone. Um, and then did the cover.
0: Are you doing the writing throughout this process or are are the photographers contributing to their stories?
1: So, well, a little bit. So there's 10 chapters, the chapters each have a theme. So like one of the chapters is curious. One of the chapters is epic. Um, they're the themes that we often circle back to on the feed. One of the chapters is delicious. One of the chapters is intimate, which is sort of it's delicious as food. And, um, so we have one photographer. So there's an intro to each chapter describing what the theme is, why we chose it. And then within that chapter, all the pictures, that was another nice thing for the editing, because it's like, if the image didn't really perfectly align with that theme, even if we loved it. It didn't go in, so that helps with like the editing process because we yeah, just tried for to sure. keep the images and the themes really tight. And uh, so we have these tight themes; all the pictures go for that. There's an introduction to each chapter, and then within each chapter, we have what we call a tastemaker—someone whose work or life or job just really epitomizes the theme of that chapter. And so like one of the chapters is wild and the person who's sort of the ambassador, the tastemaker for that chapter is Charles post environment is very important to us. Um, It's something, you know, there's a lot of things that are important with like global politics and stuff like that, but that don't fit nicely into a travel vertical, but environment is one that's easy to talk about. Um, So wild, Wild landscapes and wild creatures. Charles Post is like a hugely um, focused environmental activist, photographer, writer who I've worked with on a number of pieces for the actual magazine. So he's the ambassador, tastemaker for that chapter. And so we did an interview with him. And so there's a profile on Charles that's in the wild chapter. Um, There's a profile on Emily Elise Miller, who's like a food. And you know, like a local food person who has a food company called Hey Breakfast Club, where she takes people on like breakfasts around cities around the world. And she's like our <laughs> delicious awesome. person. And,
0: yeah. um, so you kind of, you, you hit like so many different aspects yeah. of photography and, and people that, you know, do it for a living, but also just have their own unique, kind of niche into the world yeah
1: and so and then the book the chapters it's a photo book so there's it's just mostly like pictures in white space and then there's these pieces these like little micro essays and then each image has the instagram name of the photographer on the image or next to it if it's you know a double page spread it's it's indicated on the page before or after um so it shows their instagram name their first and last name the location um and then some of the images have like a one line, you know, a little bit more. And, uh, and there's a couple throughout each chapter that are like kind of a paragraph that just give you like a little more information where you wouldn't, you know, if it's a, if it's a hotel pool, we're not going to describe it. We'll just tell you where it is. And then the image does all the work. Like why tell people, yeah. like, I hate travel writing where people just all the adjectives about the beautiful this and this, that, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, who yeah. cares? Yep. Like, it just show me, you know, that's all. Yeah, so exactly. If the imagery can do the talking. We just let it do the talking. And if there's a little more to talk about, then we share a little bit more, but there's a lot of information yeah. for inspiration for both sort of armchair travel and then just travel like, Oh, I want to go there. And, and it tells you where it is. And that's always been important to me for tiny Atlas, like geotagging places. Um, so, you know, there's aggregator accounts where they're just like, place you know or there's no place and it's like we're a travel account so we want to tell people and then with telling people there's responsibility so like if you tell someone where a hot springs is like you say it's expected that you leave no trace and you're going to be respectful of the people who live there and you know so we're not exclusive and um and if it's something that we shouldn't know about, then we should know about it, I guess. But in general, we, we do share the locations, sometimes more like generally, sometimes if there's something that I really want on Instagram, but I know it's a little sensitive, I'll just say, just give me the region. And if someone is yeah. curious enough to do the work and go there and ask the locals, like, how do you get here and be respectful, then that's fine. That's the history of travel. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to be the person who tells people not to travel. Like I'm a travel account you know?
0: Yeah. So that's, that's funny. Cause that's such a true thing that you wouldn't really think about until you said it like that. You kind of do have to deal with, you know, hoping that people can respect that, you know, that path to get to where you guys were, because there's some people that won't, which sucks, but it's true.
1: Yeah. And I think, yeah. you know, people want, you know, sometimes people want us not to share stuff or it's like, well, then, you know, then it's not right for here. Like I, I'm not going to share yeah. the photo and not tell people what it is, at least roughly you know, because it's a travel, it's a travel thing. And people have been talking about travel, you know, other people ruining travel for people since Herodotus, you know, like since Herodotus started telling people about his travels, like people were like, Oh man, you're ruining it for everyone else. So, you know, if
0: if Well, travel is so hot right now. I feel like now, I mean, more than ever, it's almost just easier to get to all these places. You get to see all these places too, because of things like Instagram. Like I know Joe Greer, he's just like I, – I just saw he's down in like the most southern part of Patagonia or Chile where you can – that's the last one before yeah. you get down to Antarctica. And it's like, whoa, like this is a first glimpse into this world that I wouldn't be able to see otherwise.
1: Yeah. We're going to Chile. We're going to Patagonia in the spring. So you guys should come with us.
0: so rad sign me up so how how do you uh how do people get their hands on on this book so
1: the book you can pre-order now on amazon and it'll be you know in bookstores all over and um we have on our website we have a book page where we have links to domestic and international you can get it anywhere um you can pre-order anywhere it doesn't come out till the spring um and then when it comes out hopefully you'll see a lot of it <laughs> from all these photographers who are featured um hopefully they're yeah. excited to share it it's real beautiful we worked really hard on making it um really beautiful so i i hope i hope it's beautiful i hope it's accurate now i'm just living in fear that something that we researched is wrong <laughs> you know and that i'm going to
0: hear about uh, that it's going to be great um, no i can't wait it's yeah. going to be awesome um so what advice do you have For somebody who wants to make a living traveling with their camera?
1: Um, The world doesn't owe you anything. Um, So there's more opportunity than ever for image makers. Um, But you have to find the people who pay for photography. And that was a hard lesson that I learned when I was just out of school and starting to shoot. You know, I was just out of school trying to get work. And a lot of people wanted to shoot just, like, cool stuff. You know, they wanted to shoot musicians and whatever. And I looked into it, and the mu- music magazines didn't pay you anything. And the business yeah. magazines who were shooting these, like, you know, executives or whatever, they paid. And so I focused I focused on promoting to them and taking portraits um, because I wanted to pay my bills as a photographer. Yeah. And I mean, you can do it other ways, too. Like, you can assist um, and you can, you can work for the cool people and use that work to try and get paying work. But you have to know where the paying work comes from. And I think there's right. a lot of people that are very savvy, but there's a lot of people that don't know what to do. Um, so you have to, I mean, I think internships and mentorships with people who are doing it. Um, one thing that's cool now is when I was starting out, I don't think there was very much that was cool that was in-house. and. Yeah. Everyone wanted to be a freelancer. And now I think there's a lot more opportunity because every single company needs to have images all the time. And so even if they hate photography or don't care about it or don't want to spend money on it, they have to. So they will understand, especially if you're smart, you can work with teams, you can do something else. Like if you can write a blog post, if you can do some content Curation and if you can like clean the office, like I don't know what else they ask you to do because I've never had a normal job (laughs) in my life. I've always been a photographer.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah, those are some of those things for sure. But like
1: you can do that job. And even if you don't stay there, what an amazing opportunity to learn. You know, you might get taken around the world. You're going to learn how a company works. You're going to learn how to do intercommunications between departments. You're going to, you know, you're going to learn so much that's valuable. So, I think looking into, you know, having that a skill set that is not just photography is essential. You need to be able to write, even if it's just emails, you need to be able to communicate. You need to be able to tell stories. And then if you're just, you know, if you're really focused on commercial photography or just, you know, like high-end fashion or advertising photography, assisting for sure um, is just critical. Um, unless you have just an amazingly unique voice. You know, people will always respond. What's funny is most photography and most of the stuff that succeeds photographically is average or below average or just okay. But what's amazing is because everyone speaks this language of imagery, everyone's kind of hip to when something is new. You know, sometimes it's like too new and people won't get it right away. And there's those outliers. But in general, if it's just... On the edge of new or the next step of new people will run towards it you know so if you have a unique vision and your images look different than other people but you're getting some feedback you you love making it or you're getting feedback from people where they're like wow this is cool and maybe it's not everyone but there's people who are like really interested in it like run towards that run towards having a voice developing a voice if you have a unique voice um, if you're professional, if you're nice to people and respectful, those are the things that make professional photographers now because there is there is a lot of competition, but there's there's more opportunity than there has ever been. And that's one thing that we're just realizing at Tiny Atlas is like there's so many people that now need to create lifestyle content that works well on Instagram for a ridiculous amount. Of businesses and within travel, it's every business. Um, yeah, and they don't necessarily know how. Like they may have hired a commercial photographer that knows how to light a hotel room, but when you go to Instagram, you don't want to see a well lit headboard. You want to see the place. You want to see the experience. Yeah. And so the the community that we've created is very well positioned to work for a lot of those clients. And so we're trying to create more opportunity for everyone. You know that we work with. Um, to just get more paying work doing what they love.
0: Yes. I'm so (laughs) jazzed up. (laughs) Call me, send me your portfolio.
1: And one note on that is like, don't send a DM. Like send a DM maybe if you're going to send an introduction, you know, but if you're a photographer and you want it, like people will just send me photos or like, this is the worst. Like people, people tag stuff. My tiny, they tag stuff, tiny Atlas quarterly at tiny Atlas quarterly in story. But it's not even visible. So they tag it and then they hide it. So I get it as a DM, a photo that is tagged Tiny Atlas. That's just (laughs) like, like, stop all this. They want me to see their travel photos. And I'm like, no. Yeah. Like, tag it My Tiny Atlas because that's what we review. The problem is My Tiny Atlas is too big. So there are other things like, the My Tiny Atlas Hello is much smaller. So that's like a little secret in where if you tag something, My Tiny Atlas Hello, it's just much more likely when we get back to like looking through all those photos, we'll see those photos. But another easy thing, which is like super old school, send an email, say, hi, here's my portfolio. I like what you're doing. And you don't just send like a generic thing. You send the specific thing that you like about the specific magazine. So if it's like ESPN, you're like,
0: it's not copy paste. I am That's so passionate obvious. These about days. <laughs>
1: sports and I am passionate about sweat, you know, well-lit sweat running yeah. across the page. And if it's tiny outlines, you're like, I'm passionate about travel. And this is my portfolio right. that shows why I'm passionate about travel and what I've done. And this is my Instagram and I'd love to work with you, you know, so people sending that as well as doing the social bit, you know, or sending a DM and say, Hey, we're going to follow up on email. About this thing, that you know, like I'm on there, so like yeah. I get the DMs, but it's like I don't want some like introduction to a photographer on DM because I'm there. When I'm there, I'm working, and I'm like I'm trying to like figure out what my next post is
0: and put. Yeah, and if you're gonna consider working with someone, you want to see that they can be professional off the bat. Yeah, and know? I understand and that they I'm can. Like, have-
1: I send DMs too, so I'm like, you know, what if people send me a DM, they're like, hey, I'm interested in tiny house. I'm like, that's cool. Our email is this, send us an email. Yeah, for and, sure. Yeah. And we'll look at it there. Um, and like our hashtag is this and posts, you know, and the hashtags, it's like, it's so far gone. Like, I don't even know, you know, like it's hard because people want to not yeah, feel. It's hard
0: with five, five million posts coming in too. Yeah. You guys have so many.
1: Yeah. We yeah. have 6.5, I think almost maybe 6.6 oh, six, million. Yeah. So probably by the time the book comes out around 7 million. So we, we miss a lot. So I'm totally down to get something i'm also down to get something in the mail you know and yeah. i i built my career by doing like hand making promos sending them to like fortune magazine sending them to newsweek sending them to
0: totally you know
1: teen vogue or whatever and yeah. um
0: i'm a huge advocate of that like cool physical things mail like it really card. just puts you at the top of that list they're like oh like this person cared and they took the time yeah and right. make like
1: something the, bespoke that's beautiful or or make something that's inexpensive that's cool i mean obviously if it's not as interesting like it might but i get you know when when photographers send something beautiful you know we respond to it and i i sometimes and i share it too like a photographer sent me this incredible promo the other day and my account is much smaller than tiny atlas but a lot of people who are kind of influential a lot of my clients look at my account right and so I promote those photographers who send a cool promo. Um, so I like shared his promo to a bunch of art buyers, you know.
0: Yeah. See, it paid off yeah. his hard work paid off. Yeah. Um, awesome. Emily, I really, really enjoyed that. Thank you Thank so you. much for giving us the time. Yeah. All right. real quick, let's let's plug the, the, the Instagram handles in the in the book too. So you can pre-order the book right yep. now. Uh, through the site, right? Is that what you yep. said? And then, okay, so then Tiny Atlas I mean, on Instagram, My Tiny in, Atlas.
1: You can put in My Tiny Atlas on Amazon and it shows right up.
0: Okay, cool. And then uh, what about your Instagram? Like your personal Instagram? My Instagram that, is wow. my
1: original like email from college uh, that was nice. given to me by the University of Michigan is ER Nathan.
0: <laughs> Sweet. Uh, okay, cool. And that
1: it's a big mix. Um, my engagement's like just ridiculous because sometimes I, I use it to test stuff. I'll, like, put a bunch of stuff. I use it for personal stuff. I'll put, like, Halloween and my kids. So it's a whole mashup. But um, you can see what we're working on always. That's for sure. Um, So that's mine. And then Tiny Atlas is... It's not my tiny Atlas. I think someone does own like somebody, you know, after my tiny Atlas, somebody took it as their Instagram handle, but I don't think they do anything with it. Maybe they're waiting for me to pay them for it, but I'm not going <laughs> to. Um, so our Instagram is tiny atlas quarterly.
0: Emily, thank you so much thank you. for coming on. I appreciate it. Good luck with the holiday season and all the traveling and all the fun things to come. Awesome.
1: Thanks again, guys.
0: That'll do it, guys. Thank you so much for hanging out and listening to that. I had a really good time chatting with Emily. Head over to Amazon and check out her new book that you can pre-order, My Tiny Atlas, Our World Through Your Eyes. You can pre-order that, and it comes out on March 26th. Uh, Check out Tiny Atlas on Instagram. Say hey to Emily on Instagram. Say hey to us. On Instagram and have a continued good holiday season and we will see you guys next week.